Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and let's look at the reason we are celebrating. We're in the season of celebration. You got your Christmas songs playing yet? Yes. Oh, come on. We might as well take advantage, right? We, we've got this opportunity. Just max out the Christmas songs. Why? Because this is, especially for you and I, this is such a season for celebration, for us to remember and to, to give a place of honor in our thoughts and in our estimation for the anointed one and his anointing, the Christ, Jesus the Christ. So for years, I thought Jesus Christ was a first name and a last name. I thought Jesus is his first name and Christ is his last name. Like my name is Michelle Steele. That's my first name and my last name. But when I began to understand that the, the term Christ is referring to a position, a title that Jesus holds, an assignment that he has, he is the Christ. And so this is what I want us to look at so that as we are celebrating Christmas, as we are enjoying this time of Christmas, that we have a spiritual understanding of what took place. Now, take yourself out of the, the traditional um, mindset for just a moment. And I want you to remember that before Jesus before Jesus came to this earth, there were people who, who did want a relationship with God. They were limited in the way that they could approach him compared to the way you and I have a relationship with him. The relationship people had with God before Jesus came, it was, it was a relationship that was, uh, it, there was a limit to how far they could interact with God. They had to bring the animal sacrifices to cover their sins because the only covering for the sin that was available was the blood of an innocent animal. And so to approach God, they had to bring their sacrifice and they had to let that blood of that innocent lamb cover their sins. And they had to do it every year. They never reached a place where they had freedom from a sin consciousness. They were always aware that they were sinners because their sin nature didn't change just because that animal had been sacrificed. They did have a certain uh, interaction that they could have with God because of that, but it wasn't what you have. It wasn't the relationship you have. So it was a major, major, major change. And it was something that God so desired because he never wanted to be at a, a, an arm's length. 
It's like when a person goes to prison to visit someone or they, they are in a jail visiting a family member or a prison. There's a limit to that interaction. Sometimes there, have, there are times they have to have a glass in between them and they have to talk to each other through a phone line that's, that's uh, separating them. And the sin was separating us from God, separating us from his presence. There was a veil in the temple that was so thick that veil was a separation identifying that people didn't have an entrance, didn't have an access, didn't have the legal, legal right to enter into the presence of God. Only the high priest went once a year and he took the blood of the, the, the sacrifices of the people and he poured it on the mercy seat and he covered their sins. And he, he, his, his access was the, the limit it was into the holy of holies, into the place where the presence of God was. But he didn't go whenever he wanted to go. And, and he didn't just go to, at his own leisure. He went, he had to prepare himself and he went and he carried the blood in and he made that atonement for the people and their relationship with God was at that separation place. But when Jesus came... When Jesus came, even before he went to the cross, there was a recognition of the change that was about to take place. The angels were singing. There was an angel choir that erupted in the heavens and this announcing there's peace on earth. There's goodwill to men. It was such a, a change that heaven was celebrating. It was such a shift in the relationship. That separation was going to be removed. And one of the main things that we need to recognize the emphasis of is the anointing. He, Jesus, is the Christ, the anointed one. Let's read here in Luke chapter 2, and we'll go ahead and read through 1 through 11. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a preserver, a deliverer, which is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. The Lord, the word Christ is defined as the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus, 
doesn't just have a portion of the anointing. He is the one upon whom the anointing of God has been completely deposited and imparted. He has the fullness of the Spirit, it tells us in John. The fullness of the Spirit dwells upon him. The, holy, the, the, the anointing of God, which represents the Spirit of God, represents the power of God, the anointing is upon him. The anointed one is born. Luke 22, uh, verse 22 of this same chapter, 2 and, I'm sorry, 25, 225. This is speaking of when they took Jesus in to be presented, just like we presented Aria today. They took Jesus to be presented, and there was a man called Simeon who the Lord had him waiting there to see uh, Jesus. It says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he was waiting to see the anointed one. He was waiting to see the Lord's Christ. I want, we're, we're looking at some scriptures to see how this, this term, Christ, and the emphasis and the importance that's being placed upon his position as the Christ. If you remember, we're going to move away from the Christmas story for just a moment, but in Matthew 16, it was by revelation that Peter saw or understood or comprehended that he was the Christ. Notice in chapter 16 of Matthew, and we'll read in verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So the source of his revelation was a divine revelation from God. God revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. So Simeon said, I've seen the Lord's Christ. Peter is, is by an unction or by a revelation of God recognizing that Jesus is the Christ. John the Baptist also had that same revelation, Luke chapter 7. We want to have the same revelation of Jesus as the anointed one and his anointing. We want to emphasize in our lives because this emphasis is, is important for us in receiving. Luke 7 and verse 20. When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto you, saying, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, John has lost the revelation he once had because in chapter 1 of John, hold your place here and look at John 1, 32. John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, 
upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So there was a time that John had that revelation. The one who sent him to baptize had revealed to him that the Holy Spirit would come upon him and remain upon him. And he saw the Holy Spirit. On that day, he baptized Jesus with water. And when Jesus came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And John bare record saying, this is the Son of God. But now he is in prison. Now here in Luke, he's in prison and he has, he has lost the understanding and the comprehension, the revelation he once had. And, and offense will do that to you. You know, Jesus, Jesus identified it and said, tell him, don't be offended. Blessed are those who are not offended in me. But I want you to recognize how the question is, are you he that should come? Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ is what he's asking. And in that same hour, uh, uh, In that same hour, Jesus cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of the evil spirits, and to them that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, the people who John had sent, go your way and tell John what things you've seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Well, that's the the description of the Christ. That's the description of the activities of the Christ. You remember Jesus when he, his very first sermon, his very first message was, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. I am the anointed one. He has anointed me. That anointing. And then he went and preached throughout the towns and the villages. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. He's anointed me to set at liberty them that are bruised, to to preach deliverance to the captives. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. The anointed one is here. Well, that's what they were rejoicing about on that day that Jesus was born. The Christ is born. The anointed one is born. That's what Simeon was waiting for when they came to present him at the temple. He was waiting to see the Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to be interested in the anointing that our Savior carries. We need to have a desire for his anointing to flow just like when he was here on the earth and he was walking and ministering and, and revealing the Father to us. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, it says in Acts chapter 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all the, uh, that were oppressed because God, the Father, was with him. How was God with him? In the anointing. He had anointed him with the power to set things right in people's lives. Hallelujah. We depend on that power because you and I, we're going to encounter things that we can't fix. We're going to encounter things that in our power and our ability, we don't have anything that we can do about it, but we can trust in the living God. 
We can trust in the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. We can lean on the, the knowledge and trust in the comprehension that the anointed one and his anointing dwells in us. Christ in me. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That the, the anointing was emphasized from the beginning Jesus emphasized the anointing upon him in his ministry, and we also need to celebrate the anointing and the anointed one in our lives as well. Hallelujah. So Jesus is Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he was preaching about how Jesus had been uh, crucified and raised again, and he says here in verse 26 of Acts, 36 of Acts chapter 2. He says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Both Lord and Christ. Hallelujah. He's our Lord. He's our Christ. When we're celebrating and we sing Christ the Lord, when we're celebrating, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. We need to have that spiritual comprehension I am worshiping the anointed one. I am worshiping the one upon whom all of God's power has been imparted. And he has delegated power to us. He shares with us that power because we are called Christians, Christians. We are are referred to as as that. It began in Antioch in the book of of Acts as something that was in a way uh, to, to make light of them. Oh, those Christians, those little anointed ones, but they were doing the works of Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So as we look at the anointing, let's understand from, from a biblical perspective, what does the anointing mean? The arrival of the anointed one is the focus of our Christmas celebration. It's, it's the focus of of the angels' songs. It's the focus of the the people were waiting to see the Christ. So when we look at the anointing, the word anoint, many of you anointed your turkeys this week because it means to rub or smear with oil. The word anoint simply means to rub or smear with oil. The oil... In the Old Testament that we see the anointing oil, they had a a special uh, uh, recipe that the Lord gave them that they prepared and they would anoint people when when it was time to, to anoint a king over Israel. God gave instruction to the man of God and he went to the to to uh David and anointed David, he anointed Saul, he anointed the, the men of God would anoint for certain things. That anointing represented the Holy Spirit. It was just a picture of what the Holy Spirit really is to us. How he, he, he saturates us. How he covers us. 
So this oil is a reference to the Holy Spirit. It symbolizes that the Holy Spirit would come upon a person to stand in a particular office or to render a special service to God. There were people who were anointed to help build the furniture in the tabernacle. They, they, that was their special service to God. There were people that were anointed in to sing and to provide the worship in, in the uh, temple. Hallelujah. So the anointing was a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who comes upon a person. Let's look at Exodus chapter 30, and let's see this reference in verses 25 through 31. You shall make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil, and you shall anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all his vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings with all his vessels, and the laver in his foot, and you shall sanctify them, and they shall be, and they may be most holy. Whosoever touches them shall be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And you shall speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This is, this shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. So the anointing oil was holy oil, and it was used to set apart. We see the furniture in the tabernacle, the people who worked in the tabernacle, and it marked them as being designated unto the Lord or designated by the Lord for that purpose. We also see Elisha was anointed in 1 Kings 19, 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall you anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimelah, shall you anoint to be prophet in your room. So the anointing marked their equipping or their designation or their consecration to that purpose, to that assignment of God. And again, David to be king, we won't turn there, but that's in 1 Samuel 16, 13 if you're wanting to put that in your notes. And when we see in Psalms 105 and verse 15, how the God takes personal, he, he recognizes personally those who have been anointed by calling them his own. Psalm 105 and verse 15 saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. So that anointing, now, now God says, wait, 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 they're, wait, they're mine. That anointing, it's personal to him. He says, they're my anointed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God calls people who have been anointed, my anointing. Hallelujah. You're his anointed. Because we are living 
in Christ. We are in the relationship that we have with God because Jesus Christ, his sacrifice has provided the new and the living way. He paid the price for us, but he didn't just pay the price to forgive us of our sins and leave us on our own. He forgave us of our sins, but he gave us a new life, a new nature. We have the divine nature of God. We have the relationship with God that God originally intended for mankind to have. There's no separation for you. You're anointed to stand in the presence of God. You're anointed. You are a priest. You are a king and a priest. Revelation says that he's washed us in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto our God and our Father. You are anointed as a king in the presence of God under the king of kings. You have dominion on this earth. You have authority on this earth. You're not a vulnerable victim just waiting, just whatever passes by, whatever you got to go through. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are anointed to stand in the presence of God and you are equipped to call on the name of Jesus and represent him before the Father and to people here on this earth. You are anointed, and God calls you His. Hallelujah. If the enemy comes uh, uh, scooping around your house, uh, uh, trying, to, trying to sneak in your way, sneaking around your house, God says, whoa, 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 don't touch my anointed. They're my anointed. Hallelujah. Well, what does the anointing do? We see the anointing separates us as unto God. It sanctifies us, it consecrates us, but it also liberates us. Look at Isaiah 10. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. That word destroyed means to annihilate to disintegrate. It doesn't mean just to, to break it and you can glue it back together. When the anointing destroys the yoke, it annihilates the yoke. It disintegrates the yoke. You can't put the yoke back on because you can't find it. It's been removed. It, the, it's been taken off of your life. It's been destroyed. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That's why when Jesus came and he ministered in the power of the Spirit, he ministered in the anointing of the Father upon him, he set people at liberty. He brought change into their situation. He, he, he brought the freedom that they needed from the sickness or the freedom that they needed from the oppression or the freedom that they needed from whatever bondage the enemy had tried to put on them. When they encountered the anointed one and his anointing, they encountered liberty. They encountered a set a breakthrough. They encountered a setting free in their lives. Hallelujah. Because the anointing is upon him. The anointing of the father. Jesus was anointed by the father through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter three,
and verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my son in you. I am well pleased. Chapter four, the very next chapter, verse one says, Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He returned here, verse, he goes into the wilderness, he's tempted and overcomes and defeats every temptation. And then verse 14 says, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. He returned in the power of the Spirit. So he went into that temptation led by the Holy Spirit. He dealt with every part of that temptation, led and anointed by the Holy Spirit. He came back out in the power of the Spirit. And he goes and he preaches that first sermon I was referring to. And he takes the the book and he found the place. In verse 18, he begins to read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He announces that the anointing is upon him to do this. He preaches to them the anointing is upon him to do this. Hallelujah. So according to this verse, the anointing was primarily for the purpose of preaching and teaching and healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. Why? Because that's how people get set free. Sometimes we get set free in the preaching. Sometimes we get set free in the teaching. And sometimes we get set free through that healing power that flows. But the anointing, the anointing is upon Jesus and flows through his people. Hallelujah. In chapter five, we see verse 17, what Jesus was doing. It says, it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So what was he doing there? It says, as he was teaching. He was teaching because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He said, as he was teaching, and what happened? The power of the Lord was present. Hallelujah. Just like as we were worshiping today, the power of the Lord manifested to bring healing, to bring clarity, to set some things in our life that we can't move on our own, that we can't, we can't fix it on our own, but we can trust in his power. Amen. Hallelujah. So his teaching and preaching and healing, Matthew 4, 23 is another example. Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, we celebrate. Matthew 4 and verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. The the anointing, the spirit of the Lord had anointed him and he was teaching and preaching and healing. John chapter three, 
and verse 34. <laughs> for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. You know, in the body of Christ, we have the Spirit by measure. Not anybody in here has the fullness. But Jesus, when we all are collectively together, the fullness of Christ, we are collectively, as we come together, the, the, the delegated anointing and the, the impartations that he's given into our lives, as we come together, his anointing is united. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God anointed Jesus. That's what the angels were celebrating, the Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The anointed one and his anointing. That's what we're celebrating as we sing our songs at Christmas. As we say Merry Christmas, we're celebrating the anointed one. We're celebrating his power in us. We're celebrating that his power is in us and on us. Hallelujah. Why? Because Christ is in us. Let's, let's look finally at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 21 and 22. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, he which establishes, or you could say establish, with you in Christ, are you established in the anointing? Hallelujah. He establishes us in the anointing and has anointed us is God who has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Hallelujah. We're established in the anointing. He has anointed us and sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit. Praise God. Praise God.